Happy solstice. Uh, no, actually, no. It's still happy, but not solstice. Sorry, equinox. So I told you it's a mini uh, Mercury retrograde that we've been having uh, because of the Mercury in Pisces. I think that some people ask me, when is it going to be over? Um, I think the beginning of April, but uh, we'll check it in a second when we look over the weekly thing. Um, let me see. Uh, today is difficult. Um, let's see. So, starting again. So, what I'll start again by saying a happy equinox for change. And uh, it actually happened an hour and a half ago, officially, when the sun and uh, the moon, the day and the night, kind of balanced themselves. Not only we just had a pretty major full moon when the sun and the moon are opposite to each other. Now we're having, at least in the northern hemisphere, a jump, a leap of faith, a spring action uh, into um, a call to action season. And it, we are balancing the masculine and feminine energies within us, the out and the in, uh, the inside, the outside, the above and the below uh, right now. And the interesting thing is that it doesn't matter if you're in the north or in the south, what season you're starting today as the equinox explains the equi as equal nox night we are now approximately equal between the night and the day between the masculine and feminine the reason why it's almost because in some places in the world the sunrise is is faster uh, sometimes we it's also hard to measure uh, the sunrise or when the sunrise is actually happening because Sometimes it appears to be coming earlier than it really is. So we can see the sun almost rising when it's really deep inside yet, but it's just the rays. So it really depends on the angles of the light coming in. But it is, relatively speaking, a time where masculine and feminine are equal action and reception. So it is a very important day. And I I wanted to start off the uh, today's meeting with a meditation, if you don't mind. I know that on Instagram, again, sorry, uh, Mercury is in Pisces. It's awfully confusing these days, uh, at least for me. So I think I wrote 9 a.m. because I was thinking about the class I'm going to do tomorrow uh, for Aries at 9 o'clock Pacific Standard Time. So I think they kind of mix together. Uh, it does make sense that they're mixed together now that I'm trying to excuse myself because today is the first day of Aries and tomorrow we're doing at nine o'clock the class on Aries. So it's just kind of like the two folders in my brain merged together to save space. So we'll do the meditation now. Actually, at an hour and a half ago was officially the time that the sun moved after being 30 days in Pisces into Aries. And today is the new year. This is a very ancient new year, maybe one of the most ancient new years, uh, maybe even going back to the time that is beyond writing or even memory, because today in the Northern Hemisphere, we have the first day of spring, and it is the period where nature and us spring into action. If we made it up until here and we survived the winter, then this is our time to celebrate because most likely we're going to make it uh, if nature participates. So what is happening today is not only the equinox, but maybe because of the equinox and the beginning of the first sign in the zodiac, we are officially entering the new year. So happy new year, happy astrological new year. And there's still many traditions that their calendars are 
according to the zodiac. So we have, for example, the uh, Persian or the Iranian uh, holiday of Nuraz, uh, Nauraz, starting today, I'm probably pronouncing it wrong. Um, uh, certain places in ancient Greece celebrated the beginning of the calendar right now. Uh, so there's definitely a lot of, um, and of course, the Akkadian and the Assyrian a new year is today the babylonian and the sumerian that are the masters of time they started today so definitely today is a new beginning so if you were looking for a time where things might be changing when we can turn a page when we can click on a new doc this is the time this is the time you can create a new page a new path in your life because of the big transition into aries we're going to have this period here and again even if you're in the southern hemisphere northern hemisphere it doesn't really matter your season what is happening today is that mythologically speaking we are starting the new year and we're starting a new cycle so in the ancient um traditions i'm going to talk about it quite a lot tomorrow uh, the zero zero degrees aries which is today is a very very special day for example there is a whole system of astrology to look at the so at the chart of your soul instead of the chart of your uh, ego in this lifetime that is related to taking the north node which we mentioned here many times the north node is the aspect of what your soul desires to learn and placing it, forcing that a, a north node where you were born with to move into zero, zero degrees Aries. So, for example, if you have your north node in Aries, it's not going to make so much of a change. It's as if what your soul desires to learn and what your ego needs to learn in this lifetime are actually coming together. But for a lot of us that don't have our north node in Aries, when we force the north node to come to Aries and move the whole chart accordingly, like a little clock, in a sense, that is the chart of your soul, in a sense. And for the, uh, it's called Draconian astrology from the word dragon, right? Dragon. So the idea behind those charts is that they are the spiritual charts. So a lot of time people complain, you know, you told me I'm a Virgo, but I don't feel like a Virgo. Well, it could be a rising sign. It could be other planets. But a lot of time it could be your Draconian uh, astrology chart, which basically means that what your soul is asking you to learn might be a little bit different than what your ego wants to learn. But the important thing is that zero, zero Aries was that mark of what your soul desires to learn. That's the place, the seat of the dragon, in a sense. No wonder the dragon speeds fire, and he's located at zero, zero Aries, which is the initiator of fire. Basically, it's not only the first day of the year, it's the first fire of the year. So what I would like for us to do today is, uh, first of all, start with a short meditation to honor the solstice, uh, the, the equinox that I promised that I will do at 9 o'clock, but I did it today at uh, 10.06. So if you can close your eyes, if it's possible, of course, if you're driving or doing something awfully important, don't close your eyes. Maybe you can listen to it later, but uh, close your eyes and connect to your breath. And I will close my eyes also, so I don't have to uh, be distracted by you guys not closing your eyes, maybe. So I'll close my eyes. And if you're doing this in uh, live Instagram, you can definitely close your eyes as well. If you like doing open-eyed meditation, totally fine. What I would recommend is focus on not an object, but a space between objects. So instead of looking like this, if I'm looking at the Zoom or instead of looking like this, if I'm looking at uh, the Instagram, I would look at something like this. So it's some kind of in-between. 
That's the best way, by the way, to uh, look at auras or to try to see the colors on people's uh, crown. So close your eyes or stare into nothing. And I want you to imagine yourself, first of all, in this cosmic sea. Just imagine water all around you. You're not even in a boat. You're basically the water inside that water, surrounded by water. And I want you to really feel that endless ocean of compassion, the water that represents Pisces, the primordial water, the water of imagination, the water of the unconscious, the water of the collective unconscious. Just imagine this beautiful blue endless ocean with no limits. Now I want you to imagine not too far from you, the water recedes a bit and what you see is a mound forming, a piece of earth. You can imagine yourself maybe in the ocean and suddenly seeing rising this little island, maybe a volcano. I want you to imagine that mound actually being a volcano. And even though you feel this transition, it's effortless as you see that volcanic island rising out of the depth. And from the peak, the summit of that mountain, that volcano, lava is coming out, representing fire. And the lava rivers flow down this beautiful big mountain in front of you until it reaches the water and mingle with the water, creating a lot of steam. So what you see in front of you is an act of alchemy, a balancing of the four elements. Out of the water came the earth. The earth gave birth to the fire spitting out of the volcano. And the lava and the water mingling together creates steam, which is earth and air and fire and water. And now I want you to imagine how these ferns are being formed, these primitive green plants, the first one to come. And I want you to imagine how they evolve really fast to create more forms of green around this island of yours. So literally what you're seeing is an island being formed from a mound to a mountain, volcano, steam, air, and the fertility of the dust coming out of the volcano, steam that creates water, fresh water for the plants. And I want you to imagine how now that it's safe, the volcano is silent and sleeping after it created all of this greenery. But you can come out of this ocean of yours, step into this 
island, your island, this island of alchemy that balances the four elements. And I want you to imagine how you encounter there two people. One of them is the ultimate manifestation of your feminine side, representing the night, and the other, the ultimate representation of your masculine side, representing the day. And you yourself are wearing the clothes, the light, the colors that represent sunset and dawn. You are sunset and dawn. You are the connector, the balancer of your masculine and feminine. And I want you there to sit in a triangle form, your masculine, your feminine, and you, the day, the night, and the sunset, the sunrise, the winter, the summer, and the equinoxes. You're creating this triangle, and this triangle could be sitting there in the mountain or by the beach in your island or under a tree. And I also want you to imagine fields of wild flowers in your island growing all around this triangle, this triangle that represents the balancing of the day and the night, the masculine, the feminine, the action, reception, and I want you to pay attention to what color these wildflowers are. Just meant to make a mental note for yourself. What are the colors of these wildflowers? And as you sit there in the triangle between the day, the night, and you, the masculine and feminine in you, I want you to think about the next year it starts today. And what form of action and what form of reception do you need to take in order to balance your life? What do you need to do? And what do you need to undo? What do you need to give? What do you need to receive? What do you need to receive in order to give more? What do you need to give in order to receive more? Now that we are right at the tip, balancing between night and day, masculine, feminine, between the seasons, we are at this liminal place, this place of transition where magic happens. So really try to formulate in your head, what do I need to do this year? What do I need to receive this year? And whatever it is that you need to give, imagine you're putting a representation of that in your right hand and you're giving it to your masculine side, to that representation of the day. And whatever you need to receive, imagine how you're receiving it from your feminine side, the representation of the 
night. And take three deep breaths in this triangle, in this sacred triangle that you've formed on your island, that you've created from the volcano, from the water. And when you feel ready, just open your eyes. So this is a meditation that you could do the next 30 days. It's usually recommended if you are focused on uh, creative visualization or what we call active meditations, meditation where you create things, to do it more than once, uh, just to get that into your engraved, in a sense, um, in etched in your subconscious or your unconscious. So this could be a meditation that basically leads you from the collective unconscious of the water of Pisces into the volcano of the matchmaker, the fire energy of uh, Aries. So uh, people ask how they can get their draconic um, chart. I think that you, if you go online and put draconic lights, a, a draconic uh, chart a calculator, you'll get a lot of them for free. Maybe even in AstroSeq, I'll have to check later on if they have it because they have so many options there. And it's on my website under Learn More. So what we'll talk about today is the spring equinox. I told you it's kind of interesting that our Sundays throughout these last two years always fall in very, very auspicious time. And of course, it will happen, happen again in, um, what is it going to be, three weeks when we do Easter here. Uh, it will always be Easter. We have it's going to be our third, I think. Uh, uh, no, yeah, our third uh, Easter and our third Passover is going to come in like what same time approximately. We'll talk about it more later on. That kind of the logic behind uh, those holidays. But the important thing is that today is the day of the barley. So all of those holidays, whether it's Easter, whether it's Passover come from the idea behind um, the concept of the barley. The barley is one of the first grains, you can say, that feed us, that come out after winter. So that was considered to be the, the first of the grain. You know, wheat will come later on. So if we survived until the barley started growing, then we're totally fine. So the celebration of barley were very much the origin of a lot of these holidays that we celebrate during the spring. And of course, later on, it was translated or it was dressed with a new mythology for the Jews and later on for the Christians. But the beautiful thing about these holidays is that they build on each other. I always look at the example of the archaeological sites, you know, that seem to be a little bit of a mound there that grow one layer after the other. Like you go to Troy or you go to Rome, and the more you dig, the more you find. Same thing with that. And I'm sure that if we dig even deeper, we'll find that even below, before the barley celebration, maybe there was something uh, different. So again, it will be interesting for us to discuss this in the next month. But the idea behind initiation is the most important thing right now, because right now we spring into action. Well, now it's the call to action. And what happened always, as another very famous uh, um, teacher told us that uh, he was an Aries also, Joseph Campbell, that 
the idea of the call to action always comes with the refusal of calls. So if you have a call of to action and you're super excited to do that because this is precisely what I wanted to do, it's most likely not a call to action. It's something else. If it is a real true call to action, something that you really need to get up and do and conquer something new in your life, because Aries is all about conquest. It's ruled by Mars, the God of War. Then there will be a refusal of the call. It will be something I don't want to do something you are resisting, for example, and I'll talk about it tomorrow quite a lot in the class on Aries. Uh, for example, Muhammad, who was in Aries, he was told by uh, Jabril, Jibril, Jabril, Jabril, Gabriel, or Gabriel, uh, to recite this Quran, this, this knowledge, but he didn't know how to write. So uh, the angel had to kind of bear hug him and force him to write it. Moses was standing in front of the a um, burning bush being told what to do. And he said, listen, I, don't know, I can do this. I stutter, you know, I'm, uh, leave me alone. I like being here in Sinai and just uh, chilling out. So the call to action is always involving a refusal of the call. So again, during Aries, you might feel that call to action. And if it is a true call to action, immediately as an echo to that call to action, they will be like, no, I don't feel like doing it. Do you have anything else there? So Again, this will be exciting times to look precisely at what that part of you that we talked about in the meditation of action uh, wants you to do. And until then, you have to use your reception to wait for it to happen. And people ask me where they can get the text for it. I don't know where you can get the text for me. I just made it up now. So uh, if there are a lot of grammar mistakes and spelling mistakes, even if I didn't write it, uh, it's because I just made it up and I, I just described to you what I see when I travel with you. So this meditation was specifically for you. There is no text for it as yet. So one of the thing about the meditation that I want you to pay attention, what the color of the flowers were, the wildflowers, the wildlings, they're always uh, important because I always kind of insert them in the meditation in the last minute to kind of surprise because if our fruits of trees, I sometimes do it also uh, colors of them, because colors, especially meditation, have a frequency. The frequency is information. These wavelengths are information. So sometimes if you suddenly think about in the meditation, suddenly you see blue wildflowers. Oh, my God, where's the blue coming from? I don't know if there are blue. Yeah, there are blue. Well, blue might be related to mercy. So then you can always look on the tree of life. You know, the tree of life has 10 colors. So there's a lot of them there. And if you have something like pink, which is the combination of severity, red and white, the crown, you can mix those two archetypes. Or you can look at the color wheel and look and juxtapose it on astrology or look online to see what color you got and what sign it represents uh, or what sign it is uh, close to. So then it's really easy because the color wheel is all the colors that exist. And you know how we did it many times here that you can just put on the chart of the signs on top of it. And then you'll know what sign you have to connect to much more this year, even if it's not your sign. And if you know what sign it is due to your meditation, wildflowers, Maybe you can look at your chart to see where you have that sign. So again, that's how I like to take something that is very structured, like astrology. You have your chart, you have the meaning of the, or the association between the colors and the signs. And now we look at your unconscious and something spontaneous, something intuitive, something more psychic. That's the uh, ability to see or conjure the colors that you need to be connected to, and then mix them together. And what I'll do when I send you uh 
uh, for you guys that are on Zoom. Uh, when I send you the recording, and if you guys on Instagram, you can just sign in and then you'll get it to the, if you go to my website and register for this uh, uh, meeting, then I'll send you this, um, this image I made for the colors, the color wheel and the astrology sign. So it's going to be very easy for you to know what the uh, meaning of your wildflowers are. And again, if you don't remember precisely, you can always do this um, meditation again. It's obviously recorded on the live Instagram and I'm going to post it. Uh, but don't think too much. Don't try to think, oh, I like to have red colors uh, like um, red puppies because I want connection to Aries right now. Just try to be open to whatever colors come through. So remember, the colors are the sign or the archetype that you need to focus on on the next year. Let's see what I have um, aligned for us right now for this uh, week. Yes, today, by the way, I am going to do the, color, the, the, the um, class on the meaning of your name. The reason why is because the keyword, every sign, we talked about it many times here, every sign has a, um, a keyword, like a, like a key that opens it up. Or you can say one word that, that capture the essence of the core of that sign. And Aries is I am, because this is your naming ceremony. This whole month, in a sense, is similar to when you're born, uh, the decision about your name, because your name contains everything that is, your problems, your, your gifts, your destiny, everything folded into one word. So today, as we begin Aries, that's why I decided to do the power of the name. If you're in LA or Santa Monica area, you can come in person. We're going to do it at 4 p.m. If not, it will be available on Zoom. So you can just go to my website and sign in. And we're going to talk about names today because Aries keyword is I am. And um, it's interesting this week, uh, it was very hard not to get pissed off at uh, my favorite uh, news uh, outlet. I mean, now there's two favorite outlets that I have in the world, RT, of course, the Russian uh, TV and Fox News that are kind of uh, uh, twin flames, you can say, if flames is a good definition for them. But anyway, they're kind of bouncing back and forth disinformation right now. It's almost as if they're playing ping pong across uh, the world. And uh, I knew about the concept of animus and anima, you know, that it's a Jungian concept, a beautiful concept that he, I think, drew from the, the idea of the yin-yang symbol. Remember, in the yin-yang, there is the masculine and feminine we are now today right at the, th at the border, you can say at that wavy border between uh, the dark and the light, the yin and the yang. And in the yin and the yang, there is in each one of them in these seas, this sea of black and the sea of white, there is an island. That's where I took this idea from the meditation. The island of the black in the sea of white and the island of the white in the sea of black. I call them the embassy, the spiritual embassy, the embassy of the masculine in the feminine, the embassy of the feminine in the masculine. So you call it animus and animus. Anima. And I didn't know that there is also apparently, according to Hannity, uh, the Trumpus and the Trumpia in each one of us. Why? Because uh, Hannity came with this crazy idea that Putin is channeling his inner Trump in a Moscow rally. You can see the image. I mean, the Moscow rally, he even very proudly said that, you know, I think it's so it looks like a like a, a big house in Michigan, like a football stadium that fits like 110 people, 110, 10,000 people. Then he, of course, didn't talk about it. We had to have other uh, newsletter and uh, news medias that actually have people in the ground checking to see what's going on. 
And they found out it's mainly from schools and uh, state workers that had to fill that stadium because apparently the Russians themselves were not that impressed by that. Um, so it's kind of interesting that uh, in uh, Fox News, you have Hannity actually mocking Biden, Biden, the president of the United States, and reading out a Kremlin statement attacking the president. You know, it's almost like as if, I don't know how to give it an example. The BBC in World War II is quoting what Hitler is saying about Churchill, something like that. You know, it's kind of strange what's happening today, especially with uh, uh, disinformation and Fox News and how Fox News found his uh, his soulmate, you know, in Russia right now. And I'm not, to, not to mention what uh, was going on with Tucker this week. But let's move on from uh, this and look a little bit more at the reason behind Equinox. Uh, so the idea behind Equinox is that we are now in the northern hemisphere starting to face more the sun. So what it means is basically the earth is not rotating around the sun like this. It's rotating with a 23 degrees. The 23 degrees wobble is because of the gravitational forces of the sun and the moon and their interaction. So the reason why it's tilted is because of the forces of the sun and the moon, mother and father. So if earth is the daughter, then the influence, the genetic influence, you can say of the sun and the moon makes her tilt a little bit. It's such a beautiful symbol that we are not like this um, precisely. Our mother and father and our ancestral karma makes us a little bit crooked, 23 degrees in a sense, 23 degrees and a half. So that's why it's wobbling a little bit and why it takes the wobble to fin go. The orbit of the wobble is around 26,000 years. You divide it into 12 zodiac signs, you get approximately 2,100 for every age. That's the reason why we have the ages. So the ages, age of Aquarius, the age of Pisces, the seasons, all of them are because of the interaction of the sun and the moon, mama and dada, uh, with us, with the planet Earth. And that's why we have this change. I mean, think about how boring life will be if it will be every day the same, the same, the same, the same, you know, no seasons, nothing. First of all, there will be no life. But even if there would be some kind of awkward life, it would be awfully boring. So that influence from mother and father makes us way more interesting and helps us share light and heat and energy between us, the South Hemisphere, the lower, the, the North Hemisphere, the Western, the Eastern. So what's happening now is that we are going to have this uh, situation where it is uh, facing much more the sun, and therefore we're going to have more direct sun. But it's not connected to the distance, by the way. It's connected to the what we're facing. Now, the interesting thing is that I discovered today, where was it? Yeah. I discovered today that while I was looking at uh, the equinox and all that, that actually Saturn himself, Saturn that we mentioned here so much, it's the great teacher, it's associated with the Lady of Understanding in the Tree of Life, it's the Lord Karma, uh, he also apparently has equinoxes. And uh, the last equinox was happening in 15 years ago. Sorry, the last every every 15 years the equinox happened for Saturn. The reason why is because Saturn orbit is 29 and a half. So divided into two, you're gonna get every 15 years, 14, 15 years. Last time was 2009, which was in the middle of the Great Recession. The one before that was 94. So you can go back and see what was going for you around that time, because that when the Lord Karma was trying to create a balance in his own 
the world in a sense, between the masculine and the feminine. What is masculine and feminine? Feminine karma is feminine that you already is, is karma that you already had in the past, things that you've already received and you have to process. You know, you can look at it as the debt that you incurred until now. Okay. The masculine karma, you can say, is because of the energy of the balancing of the masculine and feminine equinox in the Lord karma, which is Saturn, is the karma that you're creating now through your actions, through your thoughts, through your emotions sometimes. So that's the time where these two karmas are kind of balanced, or that's when we have the time to, or the, the time in the year that we can actually get a printout of our karma report from Saturn. The next time is going to happen in May 6, 2025. It's not that far. So we can still try to fix things, balance things. And that is one of the reasons why Saturn is exalted in Libra. Libra is the beginning of the autumn equinox, opposite to Aries, which is the beginning of the spring equinox. So now you can understand why Saturn has this connection to Aries when it's fallen and to Libra when it is uh, exalted. So again, the time or the equinox is basically the point in a planet's orbit where the sun shines directly overhead, meaning that if you look at 12 p.m. up, you will actually see the sun at the zenith. That's in the equator, of course, not everywhere in the planet. So the same thing goes with uh, Saturn. So again, our, our Earth goes around the sun for a year, divided into two, you have equinoxes every six months, right? In March and in September. You take the orbit of Saturn around 30 years, you divide it into two, you get 15. And today, if you go to visit the Great Sphinx at the Great Sphinx in uh, Egypt, you will see that he is looking directly at the sun today. So the the, the lion, the Sphinx there is completely directed towards it. And if you look at Stonehenge, you'll see the same thing. Angkor Wat, you'll see the same thing in Cambodia, Chichen Itza in, in Mexico, you'll see the same. So it's a lot of places in the world that are, there are, or, or let's say that focus or that have their uh, point of reference according to the vernal equinox. Vernal, of course, from there, there is um, spring. So that's part of what is happening today. And one of the rituals that I really recommend to honor the spring equinox, and I know it sounds really silly, but it is the spring cleaning. Again, we are talking about burning everything, erasing everything, cutting things. So this is the great, a great day to go, even in Feng Shui-wise, it makes sense, to your most um, cluttered place in your house and take everything out, try to throw more than half of it, and the rest rearrange. You know, in Passover, that is also called the spring holiday, there is a special ritual where people are going, uh, the, where they go to their house and to look for any kind of uh, yeast-related products to throw them out or at least to hide them or at least to cover them up. But I think the original idea is that this is a time that you clean everything so you don't have to take any kind of negativity or karma or challenges into your next year. So. I really recommend today, tomorrow, to focus on areas in your, in, your, in your home, in your office, in your car, in your life, in your relationship, where you can scrub things out, when you can clean things so you can feel yourself ready for whatever the next year has to offer. So that's something that I really recommend doing in the next few days. The other thing that, um, uh, what did I wanted to show you? 
Yeah. The other thing I was thinking about, I think I sent a little video about it. It's just that it's a thought that I had and I wanted to share with you about the full moon in Virgo. The full moon in Virgo was going on, uh, what, two days ago, approximately? Yeah, the, seven, the eight, 17, 18. You might have seen it. It was also the celebration of Purim. Purim is a very old celebration, supposedly to uh, uh, commemorate the uh, avoidance of a genocide that resulted in another genocide. Never mind. It's a big, messy story, which is not that beautiful. Actually, if you start reading it truly in the Bible, in the book of Esther, anyway. What is the custom after that is to dress in costumes. So kids, I remember growing up in Israel, we used to wait for this full moon in Virgo. We didn't know that it was the full moon in Virgo. We were just told it's Purim and to um, dress up like it's, like it's the Jewish Halloween, you can say. And then it made me think about uh, why is Purim celebrated on the full moon? Why do we have to put costumes and disguise ourselves on full moon? Of course, the rabbis tell us it's about that story, which we don't even know if ever happened or not in the book of Esther. But the important thing is that there is something about this full moon. A lot of time, what I think happens in religions is that they have this feeling, this intuition, these all these rabbis, mullahs, priests, or whatever, shamans, that there is something always happening on the full moon. People are acting kind of crazy in full moon, and especially the full moon in Libra. People are putting on some kind of characters that they don't really usually have. This woman is screaming, even though she's really nice. And this guy who's really nasty all the time is actually really nice. Something's off. Something is reversed. Um, let's come up with a story that can ex explain why we need to put on different persona, why we're wearing, and why we're all method actors all of a sudden. So, I think that they've decided eventually that this will be the time of the year that kids, especially, but also adults, if they insist, can put customs on. And then I thought, what is so special about this full moon in Virgo? Because remember, at least in Judaism, also in Hinduism, in different other um, religions as well, the holidays are linked to the full moon and the new moon. So it's almost as if, okay, we have 12 full moons. We have to find holidays and stories for all of these full moons. Um, the same thing with uh, new moons. But anyway, in this full moon, what is so special about it? First of all, it's the opposite full moon of the harvest full moon, which is what's the most important full moons of the year. It's always falling just before the autumn equinox. And this one is just before the spring equinox. So obviously, these are very, very important things because any astrological phenomena or any planet that is coming close to the equinox or the solstices is getting a big boost of energy. It's like click and go into the next gear. So what is this full moon in Virgo that we experienced two days ago? Well, it means that the sun was in Virgo, shining the energy of Virgoness, while the moon, the feminine, is in, sorry, the opposite. The full moon in Virgo means that the moon is in Virgo, obviously, and that's the feminine energy, and the masculine energy is in Pisces. What is Pisces? Imagination, fantasy, Everything that has to do with other dimensions, everything that has to do with the intuition, with uh, basically conjuring images and, and, and fantasies. So that represents what we may be wishing to be or wish to do or wish to dress like. What is Virgo? Virgo, where the moon is, has to do with no. No, you can't do this. No, you can't do that. So it brings up a lot of that uh, prohibition in a sense. So this connection between what you can do and what you can't do, who you are and who you're not, is kind of flipped at that day because of the full moon 
because we're kind of in the earth here, caught between the forces of no and yes, no and yes. So when that happens again, which is going to be precisely the opposite in the, in the harvest, we don't have time for uh, um, any kind of fantasy because, listen, the, the fields are full of uh, produce. We have to go there, all of us together. It doesn't matter what you do for your work. Let's meet after and get that out because if we wait too long and if the rains come, heaven forbid, or if we don't pick it up and they dry or if the rats and all the rest of the rodents come and take it, we're in trouble. So we don't have time for parties. If you want to party, let's party over there in the field. Great. So we have the harvest uh, holidays. This one is uh, during winter. It's still kind of dark and sad. It's kind, it's kind of crazy and subconscious. And don't forget the sun is in Pisces. It's shining our fantasy. And that's what probably brought that whole idea of what I am and what I'm not and dress my routine, which is Virgo, with fantasy. So think about it. The Virgos are not really famous for stylizing. I mean, think about nuns and monks eh, or the Sufis that are called after the, the eh, fabric that they were wearing from wool, which was known to be not very, very comfortable. So, you know, the Virgo energy of the order of the nuns and the hermits and the monks, it's dressing the same way every day, all the time. Um, if you think about Pisces energy, which you just left a few hours ago, it's much more like Joseph and the multicolored uh, coat. So you're talking about makeup and colors and feathers and carnival, you know. So you put them together, you create this, I want to change my routine for one day and dress completely like my fantasy. And Virgo will allow me because it's limited by the full moon. It's only one day. You can't start dressing like this all the time because you get fired. What is Virgo? Work. Yeah, so we don't want to get fired. So that's what I kind of clicked for me this year about the meaning, the astrological meaning of Purim. Sorry, I didn't talk about it last week. I just didn't think about it last week. This is something I discovered I wanted to share with you. And if you guys on Instagram, maybe you can go check online, Noma Bar, N-O-M-A. And the name is, the last name is B-A-R. He's Israeli, British, a guy who had this amazing um, illustrations that he does of famous people. And he uses what these famous people or personalities are known for in order to create the features of their faces. And it's almost as if their whatever contribution or lack of contribution to the planet becomes kind of like their the DNA that changes the way they look. So for example, for Putin, He's used a very, uh, this is a very famous image by now, uh, for he has instead of eyes, these warplanes, instead of nose, he has these two bombs and corpses are uh, defining his, his um, mouth with some blood coming out like a vampire. So it's, it's really beautiful. This is another one uh, that you can see and you can see uh, uh, the nose is a missile and it's really beautiful. It's very Zen because it's limited amount of lines. And here we have another Putin one with the eyes and the mouth forming a snake. Uh, here we have Hitler with, instead of um, a mustache, he has a barcode. And we have uh, Trump, instead of hair, he has an image of the logo of Twitter. Um, he also did the cover for uh, um, a lot of books. This is for Turkey. Of course, this is Bob Dylan with a mouth uh, that is, uh, what is this? It's like, like a microphone, but I think it should have been more like the harmonium. But his eyes are like uh, the, um, a guitar. His hair is made of notes. This is Stalin with the nose of a hammer, a sickle. 
And this is Shakespeare with a question mark, which I could imagine is to be or not to be. And Harry Potter. But it's beautiful how a few lines and just a little bit of who they are used as images can tell you immediately who these people are. So let's see now if I have time to do what I promised to do for kind of so many weeks. I'll do it, I think, just um, a, a few of them so we can continue next week to do it. And what I wanted to do is explain to you how the signs energy work based on what planet are detriment, exalted, fallen, or ruled by. So for example, what I'm trying to say is that you could look into your sign and understand the energies of the sign as a, based on what are the interaction that sign has with the planets. Now, signs and planets do not have interaction. That kind of wrong what I just said. Planets and planets have interactions. Signs are almost like a different dimension of planets. So they don't necessarily interact with planets, but they are the filter through which the planets appear to us. So, for example, if I take this uh, lamp here, okay? So uh, this part here, oh, you can't see it in Zoom, sorry. This part, the lamp itself, or the, sorry, the bulb itself is the planet. That's the planet. This part or if there would be anything covering here, will be the sign. So what I'm trying to say is that the signs are like these filters that the energy or the waves of the planet go through. So you know how there is these experiments that you have waves of light or waves of sound even going through a medium, through some kind of a filter, and then they project it differently on the um, on the screen. That screen is us, life, right? That, that's, that's the monitor, you can say, of the interaction of the planet. But the planets themselves are not just shining at us. For example, now Mercury is in Pisces. Now, that's why I told you it's a, like, a mini, uh, like a mini Mercury retrograde because Mercury, if you look here, is, detriment, sorry, is fallen and detriment in Pisces. Why did I say that Mercury retrograde, it, this is a mini retrograde? Because whenever Mercury is in Pisces, whenever this planet that has to do with information, data, technology, uh, connections, writing, publishing, is flowing through this filter called Pisces, it's not passing very well through. Okay, so not a lot of that wavelength, not a lot of that energy man managed to pass it through because Pisces for Mercury is a very thick, um, you can say, filter. So what happened is that in the case of Pisces, Mercury is both detriment and fallen. And that does not happen in any other sign. You know, there is a sign, for example, Virgo, which is the Mercury is the ruler of Virgo. And it's exalted in Virgo. But if you think about it, if it's so bad in Pisces, which is the opposite sign of Virgo, it means, therefore, that for Virgo, it's going to be the best. So what we know about Mercury, he doesn't like to be so much in Pisces. What does it tell us about Pisces? They don't like Mercury so much. Now, it doesn't mean that if you're a Pisces, for example, Einstein, you don't get along well with Mercury. Actually, Mercury is the one that allowed Einstein to get to the story to the to the whole theory of um, um, 
everything that basically he came up with base was I was just reading about it a few weeks ago. It's kind of funny that because Einstein really didn't understand how Mercury's cycle was going and there was something wrong with that cycle, he came with a theory of relativity and the special theory of relativity later on. So it's Mercury's, his inability to understand Mercury, even Einstein, caused him to come up with his theory. So again, you see that it doesn't mean that if you're a Pisces, you can't get along with Mercury. It's just that it's harder when Mercury is in Pisces. Therefore, for Pisces, it's a little bit harder with reason. Their job is to be more fantasy. If you're imaginative and you're fantasy and you're thinking about intuition, too much Mercury can be in the way. You know, for example, um, I remember I was talking to Laura Day and I was telling her because she's intuitive. She wrote a lot of books on intuition. I started telling her of a situation and she stopped and said, wait, wait, wait. If you want to have my help and my intuition, don't talk to me too much about your situation. Why? Because she doesn't want to be influenced by the information. Who is the Lord of Information? Uh, Mercury? Okay. I don't want to have Mercury around if I'm going to be intuitive. So that's what I meant by how you can understand your sign as a filter and understand what that filter is all about based on how well it allows the waves of the planets to go through. Make sense? I hope so. So we'll start with Aries today because today is the first day of Aries and we'll continue uh, with the help of the good Lord next week. Maybe it will take us two, three weeks, but at least, you know, it's like 1,001 um, stories. So nights, you're going to stay with me until I finish or get to your sign. So Aries, first of all, Aries is ruled by Mars. So what you see in the, scre- in the, um, in, in the table here is domicile. Domicile is a nice word to say, basically, the ruler. So every sign has a ruler. And when the ruler is in the sign, if you have in your chart, for example, Mars in Aries, then you're, you're channeling the energy of Aries very, very well because the filter is based so that it lets Mars go through unhindered very, very well. So it's kind of like flowing through. It's like light through a glass. You know, it goes through. Of course, some of it is, is blocked, obviously, or it's filtered, but obvious, but overall it's flowing as it is. It's not distorted. It's not broken. It's not like, let's say, light that goes through a um, water that you kind of have that illusion that, 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 you know, the ruler or whatever is stuck in the water appears to be bent or different. So there is no uh, illusions. There is no distortion of the energy of Mars. Mars likes to be in Aries. Mars is the god of war. When Aries came in, all the wars continued after the uh, winter break, you know. So that's the energy of let's march into war. And Mars is the ruler of March. And 21st or 20, like today of March, is when Aries begins and Mars marches forward. If Aries likes Mars, or let's say Mars likes Aries so much, definitely Venus will have an issue with it because Venus is the opposite of Mars, right? Masculine is Aries, Venus is Mars. So, sorry, Venus is feminine. So Venus is considered to be detriment. Detriment means that she doesn't like being there. It's not as bad as fall. Fall is worse. The detriment basically means that the energy of Venus is having a hard time with Mars. Why? Well, Venus, uh, Aries is inviting Mars over. And then Venus is coming like she always comes with high heels, with uh, um, makeup, you know, wearing beautiful things. Suddenly she's told that because we're in Aries mode, we're going to actually go to war or we're actually going to go on a hunting expedition. You know, 
but don't worry, you know, we, you can go on the horse. You don't have to walk all the way on your high heels. But yeah, but being on a horse on a hunting expedition with high heels is not as comfortable. And the makeup and the sweat and all that. Venus doesn't like to be so much in Aries. It's like a, a beautiful woman, well-dressed, walking in the sand dunes. It, it does. I mean, it needs, she needs to be dressed like a Bedouin. It's not going to work if she's trying to dress like uh, going to a club. So Venus doesn't like to be so much in Aries. It doesn't mean that you can't be a beautiful, charming, amazingly beautiful, uh, connected to femininity if your Venus is in Aries. But it most likely is not channeling the best energy of Venus and Venus has to adjust, meaning that she should not come with high heels. She should come with tennis shoes and she could still look very good, but she's going to have to look good in training shorts, you know? So it's demanding an adjustment for Venus in order to get along with the energies of Aries. Therefore, Aries does not have the strongest connection to Venusian things. Again, I'm telling you that, but at the same time, I'm thinking about Leonardo da Vinci who drew Mona Lisa. I mean, she may be not the most beautiful woman, but maybe at, the, at that time she was considered to be beautiful. But anyway, he was an artist, amazing artist. He was the ultimate artist. And yet, Aries is not getting along that well with Venus. So, for example, think about Michelangelo, who was a Pisces. And you'll see that in Pisces, Venus is exalted, meaning that she's getting the best energy possible. But Raphael was also an Aries. And he did great job with Venus. So it's not like if, then, if, then. You have to take everything together and understand the archetype itself. And of course, Venus is also the ruler of peace. Aries is the ruler of war. So obviously, they have a little bit of an issue. But one of the things that Aries have that is making it very unique is the fact that it is the only sign that the sun is exalted in it. And exalt, exaltation, means the best place for the planet or the star to be. So there is one place that the sun likes to be. He's the ruler of Leo, the sun. Therefore, Leos are very sunny and their heart is open because the heart is related to Leo. The sun is related to Leo. It's the Tiferet in the tree of life, the, the, the energy of glory and, and glamour and beauty. And yet it's exalted in Aries. And that's one of the reasons why you'll see that a lot of the saviors whether it's Atis or Marduk or whether it is Christ or whether it is Muhammad or Moses are Aries. Because in order for that archetype to be the, sal the salvation, the energy of the sun, then it needs to be exalted in Aries. So again, the sun is exalted in Aries. Therefore, the job of Aries is to be seen, to be noticed, to blaze through new paths, to boldly go where no one has gone before, to shine in places that before were dark. Because if the sun is exalted in Aries, Aries can take that into places that are dark, unknown, ignorant, and have that energy shine through. The sign that in Aries, the planet that is doing the worst is Saturn. Which some people say, oh, that's lucky for Aries because they don't channel Saturn dot well, so Saturn is kind of weak. Yeah, but you know, with with the energies of Saturn, you want it actually to work well because, you know, it's like the police in a sense. You want the police to work well. You don't want the police to be weak. If the police is weak, it means that either it's corrupt or it doesn't have enough uh, power to protect you against criminals, right? You want the police to be not ruling your country, like in some places, you know, and to be completely taking all of the budget. 
but you want them to be somehow working. The same thing with Lord Karma. You want him to be okay. When he's fallen, it means that sometimes Aries can get bad karma without not doing anything, or they can get good karma without doing anything. And that's, I think, the one of the issues that rulers have, because Aries is the, the leader. So sometimes you wonder, people like Putin, people like Stalin, how can they be for so long? How do they survive? Why don't they just die? You know, with so many people hating them, because they have this Saturn fallen, in a sense. And that means that they somehow manage to overcome the fact that uh, they're hated so much because bad karma doesn't touch them as much. Of course, it will after they die. But while they're alive and they're protected by the energy of the sign Aries, then in many ways, because Saturn and Lord Karma is fallen, they don't experience as much bad karma. That could be the reason why there is so much, so many situations in the world where there's terrible leaders that so many of their own country want them to go away, but they somehow cling to power, so to clean to their seat. So that could be part of that fallen energy. So that's just a, a sample of what we are going to do uh, in the um, uh, following weeks, working with the signs to understand them much better according to uh, how the planets interact inside of them. Now what I wanted to do is look a little bit at what's happening next week. So today we are uh, moving into the realm into the realm of Aries, but we have a lot of planets in Aquarius, actually. We have Vesta that moved into Aquarius. That's the um, lady of the hearth. Uh, it represents an archetype that is very conservative and traditional, but also channeling the values of home, family, the importance of gathering together around the hearth and uh, being protected. So she's moved into Aquarius, which is much more balanced. Uh, we have Mars in Aquarius, Saturn in Aquarius, Venus in Aquarius, a lot of Aquarius and Pisces energy. So what it tells me, uh, we have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven planets, six uh, planets actually now because Sun moved, six planets in Aquarius and in Pisces. It's kind of a telling us how we're shifting uh, from the age of Aquarius to the age of Pisces to the age of Aquarius. And even the war in Ukraine, which is happening right at this time where there's so many planets in Aquarius and Pisces. And could and started, of course, uh, during uh, Pisces, could be part of the transition between the ages. What, what we're experiencing there, or what's going on in the world, could be a shift, one of the final shifts from the age of Pisces to the age of Aquarius. So, what we have this week, Jupiter is on top of Mercury. I was telling you before that I was really hopeful it can help with some peace talks or some uh, ability to kind of overcome the situation. Uh, we have uh, the moon right now in Libra, which is the moon of peace. But tomorrow on March 21, which is again one of the official first day of Aries, we have the moon moving into Scorpio. So tomorrow, Monday, the moon is going to be in Scorpio. The sun is going to be in Aries. We have a lot of martial energies. Uh, Mars is the ruler of Aries and it's the ruler of Scorpio. So a lot of action tomorrow. Tomorrow you might start feeling the call to action so fast because Mars is getting stronger and stronger. Uh, the only thing is that Mars tomorrow and Venus are squaring the moon. It's a very emotional Monday. It's one of these Mondays that we wake up and hearing uh, uh, Bob Gandalf, I think, uh, Bob Gandalf uh, song. I don't know why I don't like Monday. So uh, it's not the easiest emotionally tomorrow. It seems like it's going to be harder to wake up. 
but uh, if you can survive tomorrow, the day after seems to be a little bit better because there is a beautiful trine between the sun and the moon and the moon and Neptune. And that actually is the moon of satisfaction. It is also the aspect of intuition, psychic energy. So we're going to have you look at this beautiful triangle that is formed on Tuesday. We're going to have the sun and Mercury and the and Neptune, all of them trining the moon and the south node and sextiling the north node, creating this beautiful pyramid. So actually Tuesday is a very good day, even though we still have that Mercury kind of uh, mini retrograde in Pisces. Now we understand why, because it's both ret- both fallen and detriment. I mean, it's a double uh, whammy in Pisces. The only thing is that Neptune on uh, Mercury on the next few days, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, it's going to really enlighten our dreams. So again, the dream quest idea that I told you about to ask your dreams for help, great for the next few, um, for Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, because we're going to have literally Mercury, the communicator, and Neptune, the channeler, coming together on top of each other. Meditations are going to be very deep. And on top of everything, Jupiter is catching up. Um, and it's actually still influencing Mercury and Neptune and blessing that. Uh, we still have that conjunction between Venus and Mars, but they're starting to part away. Um, it doesn't mean you're not going to have any love, but it was supposed to be a pretty powerful time for relationships. Then on Wednesday, what's happening is that Mercury is getting closer and closer to Neptune. Again, very strong energy for channeling, mysticism, intuition, mediumship, but not the best time for making logical decisions or reasonable decisions. What I'm trying to say is don't make really, really important decisions around that time. You can channel things. You can get a lot of awareness of things. You can write down even your thoughts or your ideas, but not necessarily executing them yet. Even though that day, specifically on Wednesday, we have a trine between the moon and the sun continuing, which is the moon of satisfaction. The day after, on Thursday, the moon is still going to be in Sagittarius, but it is squaring Mercury. A little bit of confusion, mishaps, uh, forgetfulness, lost objects. Uh, but the moon is going to be in Sagittarius, a little bit more optimistic, but it's, tr- it's um, uh, basically creating a lot of squares to Mercury. Again, confusion. Confusion will be the key word for Thursday. So if you have a very important meeting or you have to do a presentation, either you have to really well rehearse it um, and be careful a little bit at that time, or you just have to maybe change the date. But Thursday is, is a confusing day. So just to be a little bit more careful there. Friday, things are getting a little bit easier, even though the moon and the sun are squaring. So again, that lack of satisfaction we talked about that starts on Monday is also lingering in Friday. And Friday, Saturday, Sunday, we're going to have the moon in Capricorn. The moon does not like to be in Capricorn, especially when the sun is in Aries, because Aries is about, let's do it, jump. And Capricorn is say, jump where? Why? Why do you need to jump now? Where are you going to land? So it's kind of like second guessing everything, but it's still a... Not as bad. Yeah, but the moon, when we talk about fallen and all that stuff, the moon is detriment in Capricorn. I mean, she doesn't like to be in Capricorn so much. So it's a little bit more sluggish on Friday eh, as well as Saturday. Saturday, especially because that's the day that the moon and Pluto are going to be conjunct. It's a big transformation. So if you're looking to change location, redo something in your home, renovate something, eh, make adjustment in your home and family, create healing in your home Saturday, you know, intervention with somebody, that's a good day to do that. 
And Venus is getting closer and closer to Saturn. That's going to be more dominant next week. And that is a time where it's a little bit tougher with relationships, especially relationship with people of authority or people who are older than you. So just be aware of that. And then we're going to have Sunday where Mercury is going to be moving into Aries. So on, sun, on Sunday, March 27, the mini Mercury retrograde is officially over. So that's something good. So thank you again for um, uh, being with us today and um, spending the time on the solstice together. And if you need to do the, uh, the meditation, then definitely you're going to have it on Instagram. And if you are around, I hope to see you today, either virtually or in person in the name class. And if not tomorrow, I'm going to do that class on Aries. Uh, so if you are around uh, maybe I'll see you there as well. We're going to talk about how to get along with Aries. And being an Aries, I think that if, if any class I can do officially, it's definitely that one. So I'll be talking about Aries tomorrow at 9 o'clock. Thanks a lot for everybody. Have an amazing week. And um, happy, sol happy equinox. I keep saying solstice. Why? Happy equinox.